Ahoy Mets fans! Welcome to episode 314 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SP Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. My name is Brian Salvatore. Thank you for joining us this week. Although you won't be hearing, well, really anything from me this week, we invite our minor league crew, Steve Saipa, Lucas Vlahos, and Ken Lavin, onto the show to discuss the 2019 Mets minor league affiliates. So take it away, boys. Hey, everybody. This is Steve Saipa. And I'm joined by my co-host this week, Lucas and Kenny. How are you guys doing? All right. How are you? All right. I am good. And this week, we're going to be doing some predictions, some minor league predictions. So last year, um, I soloed this, and I made a couple of predictions, and I was not uh, pretty good with it. I was one out of eight, which is not very... Uh, accurate at all. So the first prediction I made, the first two actually, were kind of connected. I said that the 2018 Las Vegas 51s would either post the best team array in history or the worst ERA in history. And I kind of hedged my bets, and the 51s were closer to worst than best. Yeah. (laughs) Oops. At the beginning of the year, I figured, you know, it was going to have uh, Robert Gesellman, Zach Wheeler was supposed to be starting the minors, uh, Chris Flexen, Corey Oswalt. I figured with that kind of core that they'd be decent. And Wheeler was gone within like a week. And PJ Conlon, he is just not suited for the PCL at all. Chris Flexen did not have a good year. So I said that I was wrong, and I think you guys would agree. Yeah. Not great, Bob. Uh, Not great. (laughs) Yeah, when you're giving starts to Vance Worley, um, you know. Kodiashi's getting significant playing time. Who else did they trot out? There were some some names that they were trotting out for a lot of the season that really made you go like, this guy still exists? So uh, not surprising uh, that didn't go so well. Buddy Bauman? Bryce Brents, right? Didn't they trade for him at the start of the season? It was bad. It, it, was, yeah. it was bad. Yeah. Don't worry. This year, uh, they've got Tim Tebow. Probably. Well, Las Vegas has nobody. Well, not Las Vegas, but the AAA team has Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next prediction was that the Cyclones would end the year above 300, and they went 40 and 35, so they actually did, and that prediction came true. Um... My next prediction was that the aforementioned Tim Tebow, his promotion to the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, would not significantly impact ticket sales. And I figured that because, you know, he's a Florida guy and being down in the South where most of his fans were, uh, wouldn't you wouldn't really see that translating in upstate New York. But even though I said that it was an inconclusive uh, result, the Rumble Ponies basically sold the most tickets that they've ever sold before. So would you guys uh, say that was because of the Tebow effect? Uh, I could I mean, they were, ter- they were a terrible team, so it really it, wasn't it because probably of anyone didn't else. Hurt. Yeah, it probably didn't hurt. I mean, uh, having Alonzo and, and McNeil for a decent chunk of the season probably yeah. helped. And then and Jimenez, Jimenez at the end, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but I yeah. think it's probably Tebow. I didn't Tim Tebow is probably the the most famous player like in the system right now. He had, he had an above average weighted 
in double A last season. Yeah, he was actually kind of good. Yeah, he the hit. minus the thirty five percent strikeout rate and the four seventeen Babbitt, but you know, not not horrific. In eighty four games, he hit two seventy three, three thirty six, three ninety nine, which is better than you would have thought Tebow would have done in in his first exposure yeah, in triple, I, in double A. I think he gets too much shit. Props to him for like actually becoming a semi legit baseball player at like when did he start twenty nine thirty wherever. Yeah, I think 29. Definitely better than I could do. That is all. That's a pretty low bar for any <laughs> of us, isn't it? I'm, I'm curious how many, like, legitimate prospects he out hit in AA. Probably. Uh, I probably should have looked that up beforehand. See, that's something that you shouldn't have to look up, though. How many top prospects that, yeah, that's did not point. do as good as Tim Tebow? <laughs> someone should, uh, someone was, is definitely He was 6% better than Tomas Nito by WRC+. <laughs> um, yeah, not great. A true offensive pillar to, to hold yourself up against, Thomas Nito. Hey, but a legitimate big leaguer. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Someone who has accrued big league time. All right. Uh, next was my prediction that Tony DeBrell would pitch his way onto the top 10. Uh, we ranked him. We ended up ranking him 14. So that ends up being wrong. But in my own personal list, he's in the top 10. Uh, and, and I admitted when you did the list that I should have ranked him. So he might actually have been in the top 10 or close mm-hmm. closer to it if I hadn't missed him. I, I second Lucas's sentiment. So we'll, co- we'll count that as a win, Steve. All right, good. So then two out of eight. That's a lot better. <laughs> if you have power, you're a major leaguer. That's true. Uh, next up was that Justin Dunn would be pitching in the bullpen by the end of the season. Um, didn't exactly didn't exactly happen. He, he did have his best season pretty much ever. Uh, he put in a lot of innings. He got a lot of strikeouts. All in all, he posted a 4.22 ERA in 89.2 innings. And he was much noticeably better in the first half of the year when he was with St. Lucie and then first promoted to Binghamton than in the second half of the year. So do you think his performance in the second half of the year would have warranted a shift to the bullpen? Uh, I, I kind of wanted them to already put him in the bullpen at the start of the year. So, I mean, that was that was my take on Dunn, given his skill set, body, and, and the work he put in so far. And seeing that second half reinforces reinforces that sentiment. Um, yeah, I think if the Mets were in it last year, uh, there would have been a very good chance he would have gotten a call up as like a bullpen arm, similar to what the Royals did with uh, Brandon Finnegan in like 2014, where they, they just call him up because they, they need arms and he's probably one of the best pitching prospects in, in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, you know, the Mets weren't in it. So oh, there well. goes that. <laughs> and now it's not our problem to worry about anymore. Good no. luck with that, Mariners. Yeah, well, I'm sure they'll figure out better than uh, we we would have. That's yeah. Next prediction was that Andres Jimenez would be a 300 or better hitter. He ended up hitting 281. So even though that's wrong, I think that's pretty close. I mean, yeah, especially, yeah. Yeah, especially with him um, playing in the Eastern League as like one of the youngest players and holding his own there. I don't, I don't think that's mm-hmm. that was too big an ask. 
do we all agree that he has the potential to be a 300 hitter? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yep. All right. Next one was that the also aforementioned Bryce Brents would lead the system in home runs. And he basically spent most of the season on the disabled list. Mm-hmm. So that didn't uh, happen. He had 15 home runs, though, which was good for fourth on the team. Um, obviously, Peter Alonso really harnessed his potential, uh, led the system with 36 home runs between Binghamton and Las Vegas. So poor Brents. And he's just kind of minor league filler anyway. So, oh, well. So all in all, I didn't do a particularly good job last year. Uh, hopefully this year I will do a better job and same thing with you guys so does anybody want to put a prediction in first you go first ken i already talked too much uh (laughs) sure um i guess i guess my first one will be kind of um not necessarily like i think syracuse is going to be in the triple a world series just based on um how many like quad a dudes they are jamming onto that roster. Hmm, that's a good point. <laughs> um, I, good. I think they, I think baseball America had them ranked pretty high on, on triple a teams. I just think guys like, um, Hecheveria probably could have been like a second division starter for somebody. And he, he's instead probably going to spend a lot of time in Syracuse. So what's their starting lineup going to be? Uh, Probably. I mean, we also don't know which guys are. That's also true. Which guys have contracts that just let them dip at the end of spring training. Um, Yeah, I I assume Delson Herrera will probably end up making it there. Um, I assume Carlos Gomez, just based on how late he signed, Mm -hmm. that if he's not in the big leagues, he'll probably be in their outfield. Um, I'm pretty sure Rajai Davis is gone uh, immediately after they try to option him down. Okay. Probably uh, one of Braxton Lee and, or um, Gregor Blanco will probably be there. One of the two. And then Tebow would be the third outfielder. Guillaume at short and Sakini. Well, I imagine they like shuffled the middle infield at bats between yeah, Guillaume, probably. Sakini and Herrera. Who's playing third? Maybe Echeverria if he's actually. Shrug emoji. I can't wait till they just shoehorn Echeverria onto the major league bench. It's going to be <laughs> glorious. I, I'm resigned to it happening at some point. Ugh. Why do you, Why do they even sign Echeverria when we already have Guillaume? It makes no sense. It's a good question. Um, and then Davis slash Dom Smith slash somebody at first base. Yep. And Nito catching. Yeah, that's a, that's a good AAA lineup. Yeah. Not a good prospect lineup, but I, I could buy that. I also think there's a good chance that um, maybe not like like a good chance, but like there there is an outcome where like Peterson and K pitch well enough in Double A to move on to Triple A and just kind of pitch well there too. So I, I don't think they're as thin on the pitching side as they've been at Triple A. Well, of so. the guys that we could reasonably that are in the system right now that we could reasonably expect to be starting in Triple A, Ganyo, uh, Conlin, Flexen, mm-hmm. maybe Oswalt, mm-hmm. maybe Janice. Um, how much do you think the change from Las Vegas to Syracuse will affect those guys, and then just the pitching in general? Um, 
I'm not sure that any of them are really guys who get hurt more or less by Vegas than other guys. Uh, I think Vegas just, and Vegas and the PCL in general just makes every pitcher's life hell. So I don't know that, that getting out of there will be a, a, an advantage for anyone. On the other hand, there's all those studies that shows that, uh, that show that players for the Rockies are, are worse on the road mm-hmm. while with the Rockies. So maybe they're all better. I honestly yeah. I have no good answer there. I expect everybody's stats to be better, but um, not necessarily, you know, maybe, maybe nothing backs it up. Just moving from like a, a really extreme environment to a less extreme one. I expect like the, uh, the surface level stats to be just a lot better, mm-hmm. you know. We also glossed over the fact that uh, Amena should get to triple a at some point this season that's gonna we're, we're i'm sure we're gonna talk about that in <laughs> one of our other predictions yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right well uh lucas what's a prediction from you so i'm not gonna do the obvious prediction yet but you all know it's coming we'll, we'll hold off on that one instead <laughs> uh i'm gonna say that wilfred ostadio is a real po- prospect next season Ooh. um bold very, very bold since very bold. he's a 18 year old. Uh, current, he spent two years in rookie ball right so far. Uh, really, like it's just the name value, right? Like I'm saying, he's going to be similar to his brother, the the uh, infamous Williams Ostadito. Ostadio. I'm going to mispronounce this like ten different ways in the course <laughs> of explaining this prediction. Um, but interestingly. The early career strikeout rates are are low, not not La Tortuga low, but low. So and, and with the offensive bar at catcher so so very low, I think even just the ability to not strike out ever is interesting enough. Um, and and like catching prospects are weird, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we might uh, need to pay a bit more attention to our own Ostadio by the end of the season. Well, that is a very bold prediction. Yeah, I mean, this is this is really going out on a limb to start. <laughs> like, I have no just... in-person looks, one scouting report. <laughs> I'm basically basing this on one number and a guy on the Twins that everyone loves. <laughs> bloodlines are important. Hey, the Mets think bloodlines are important. Maybe maybe they're right. Hey, well, hopefully that would be a boon for the system if he was right. If you were right, so hopefully he is uh, good. Um. One prediction that I'm going to make, and I don't think it's particularly bold, is that Peter Alonso is going to be the National League Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know, I mean, we're all very familiar with Alonso. He can hit the ball well. He can smash home runs very well. Um, I think we agreed, whenever it was that we last did a podcast, we all agreed that it was within... Um, reasonable. It, w- it was reasonable to think that he could hit maybe 260 to 280. He could get on base, you know, 330-ish or so, slug about 500. And those are very, very good numbers, obviously. I think that what will um, make or break the prediction is the amount of time that he's actually on the roster, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that'll help build up the counting stats, you know, i.e. home runs. And I don't really think that the field of competition is is that uh, not not that it's not that great, but I don't think that any of them have the hype machine, I guess, behind them that Alonzo will be able to generate. 
I mean, the main competitors, I guess, rookie of the year would be Victor Robles on the Nets, Keston Hiera on the um, Brewers, Nick Senzel on the Reds, Alex Verdugo on the on the Dodgers, Brendan Rodgers on the Rockies. Those are all, you know, by and large, pretty good prospects. They'll probably be good major league players. I don't think that any of them, though, have the will be able to generate the hype that Alonzo will be able to. I mean, he hits home runs out of stadiums, as we just saw yesterday. Um, playing in New York, obviously, is going to help, you know. So hopefully he does well. I also think he's just, like, very well suited to the way the game's being played right now. Uh, just with he's like a highball hitter in an era in which everybody's trying to live up in the zone. I could I could very easily see him having like a uh, like a Reese Hoskins start to his career. So I th- I think I'm gonna be the odd man out here who disagrees. Um, because I think a guy like I mean to me Robles is far and away the the favorite in large part because he's going to start the year on the major league roster. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Plus, he get they can build a nice narrative about him replacing Harper or what have you. Um. And I guess like you could think of this in two like two separate questions. Will Alonzo deserve the rookie of the year or will he win it? I think the yeah. arguments you're making RE hype makes sense for him actually winning it, but I think there will be more deserving rookies like Robles, um the guys you mentioned. I might put Senzel up there too. I don't I wonder how how much time he's actually gonna get, but yeah, if he's getting a lot of time I'd put him up there. I don't think Verdugo's gonna get any time and I also don't think he's that great. Um the one guy we haven't mentioned is a, a different middle infielder for the Rockies, Garrett Hampson, who I think is going to be their starting second baseman to start the year. And uh, Colorado kind of has an odd double effect on these rankings. It either hypes guys up because it increases their counting stats or it ruins the narrative because, oh, they play in cores. So <laughs> I, I think it's, I don't think he's the favorite. I'm not going to complain if he wins it, though. Well, hopefully he does. And. In a year, we'll be saying, oh, that was a great prediction. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Kenny, what do you got? Um, list. Uh, Simeon Wood, Woods Richardson uh, shoves in Brooklyn and eventually gets promoted to full season ball. Um, I don't know. I, I like arm speed, guys. He's got a lot of arm speed. They've already moved him kind of aggressively. Yeah, he's young, but... I see him on the um, the Zapucky like plus track. Yes, that's a that's a pretty bold. Yeah, like, that's a lot of strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying Zapucky plus. Uh, I, I just meant in terms of like aggression, like moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zapucky didn't make full season ball in his first year, but also started in the uh, the complex league. Didn't make it out of the complex league, so mm-hmm. I, I assume like he. he gets a, a promotion similar to how he did last year in Kingsport, where uh, if they're in a playoff race and need arms again, they call him up for an end of season type thing. I could buy that. Yeah. Well, he does have tons of potential. And yeah, I could buy that too. It's going to go from a pick where literally everyone was like, what the hell are the Mets doing too? Oh, oh, okay. He's an actual prospect. <laughs> The, the the true befuddlement in, in the Slack <laughs> after that pick was like, huh? <laughs> Who did we just take? 
Yeah, I mean, the biggest, having done all that research, staying up that night and just, like, trying to figure out who, who is this guy. Yeah. Um, I wasn't I wasn't very high on him at the moment because <laughs> there was a lot of questions. Like, I don't, I don't know. It, in retrospect, it is a good pick. <laughs> but when you look back from process, you know, I don't know. Maybe it still isn't a good pick because maybe they might have been able to select him a round or two later. Because mm-hmm. at the time, there was a lot of questions about, his performance you know his fastball generally is around like you know low to mid 90s and there were a lot of reports that during spring he was you know in the high 80s low 90s it turns out it wasn't you know it wasn't really uh injury or anything it was just you know bad looks whatever you want to call it the normal trials and tribulations of you know trying to get a feel for what a 17 year old is going to look like (laughs) right exactly so I mean, everything has worked out so far, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a good know. chance he ends up getting hurt. <laughs> too. Yeah. So there's a lot of pitcher. <laughs> uh, the thing I like about him, though, is he's so young. Like he could miss a, a season due to TJ and still basically be the same age as everybody well, else. Just in the class. Let's just sign him up for TJ right now. We'll get it over with, and then. Uh... <laughs> I, he's, he would just be the same age as everybody else who was drafted around him. You know. Right. So developmentally, he's ahead of the curve just from when his birthday was, which is something I always like to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, Lucas, what do you got? Um, so talk, mentioned, since we've talked about Sapuki a little bit, another name I'm going to butcher three trillion times, um, I expect him to – my prediction is basically that he's going to come back and shove just like he did uh, pre-injury. Um, and I expect him to be top three in the system – and like a top 70 to 80 guy overall um, by the end of the year. Um, basically because I think if he's the same as he was pre-surgery, you've got a guy with a, a stupid good fastball curveball combo from the left side um, and command that isn't horrific. Like that alone is already a really intriguing package. Um, even if it turns into something uh, that's more reliever-ish, and I think we talked about this when we did the our like our top fifteen or top twenty-five prospects. How if if the risk is that he's a multi-inning reliever, but he's got two wipeout pitches, uh, I don't think that dings his value much as opposed to being projected as a third starter type. Um, so I think he's going to be a top eighty-ish guy, unless he's Marcus Molina. But fingers crossed. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, I guess that'll play into my next prediction because mine is that Sabucky is going to drop out of the top 10. Oh. <laughs> oh. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be Molina or not. Um, it's telling, though, that all three of us <laughs> mentioned right. it as the risk. <laughs> Independently, we all said Marcus Molina is the cautionary tale. But my thing is... Uh, he, he only has 29 innings of full-season ball under his belt. And he's going to be 23 this season. So coming back from Tommy John surgery, you want to kind of be 
careful with the guy to begin with. You know, you're not going to, he's not going to go from 29 innings in 2016 to 129 innings, you know, 2019, the year he's coming back from Tommy John. So I think that the combination of however his talent level is, whatever his talent level is going to be, a combination of that, the Mets, and the Mets kind of handling him with care is going to cause him to drop out. And, you know, other guys are going to rise. But I don't see him being able to be dominant enough to justify being in the top 10 in the system next year. I mean, even if his stuff is great, just the combination of, of innings, age, whatever, is going to gonna ding him. Mm. I think I'm generally less married to the idea of prospect age, particularly with pitchers. I'm more interested in, like, mileage. Um, so I'm not super concerned about him being old when he comes back. It just means that he's still going to take time, and then maybe the tail end of his six arbitration seasons are are not as good as everyone else because he's not in his prime anymore. Um, but that's probably just a philosophical difference. Right, and so and age really only is a thing while players are in the minor leagues, and so much as it's just something you have to then reference when you're looking at their competition, I guess. You know, if you have a 25-year-old guy is dominating, you know, 20 year old it's like well he's quite a bit older right but if it's 25 year 25 years old with as much experience as a 22 year old i don't think it's as significant right like if you're a 25 year old and you've had six seasons in the minors or whatever you or you went to college and you've had a couple seasons in the minors then i get what you're saying but if it's if a guy's old because he's missed time with injury i think the age appropriateness is is less concerning to a degree, that, I do. I do agree. To a, yeah, I, I could get on board with that. I just think he's going to be like physically bigger than a lot of the dudes right. he's playing against. You know, exactly. You have the mental and you have the physical maturation that uh, other guys, you know, in the same level will not necessarily have, and therefore will look better. That's fair. I, I mean, I understand that too. Mm-hmm. I look forward to twenty-seven-year-old pitching prospect Thomas Sapucky in two years <laughs> or three years. I, I look forward to 27-year-old Josh Hader 2.0 minus the, the racist tweets uh, Thomas Sapucky debuting for the Mets. I look and, forward to 35-year-old Tim Tebow. Uh, <laughs> 35-year-old starting center fielder Tim Tebow. Former quarterback who can't hit the cutoff, man. Hey, they'll sell out every game. Oh, good. True. Actually, no, not in New York because he was a terrible Jet. So I, I maybe maybe the marketing won't work as well. I don't know. People and, love him. <laughs> yeah, that's again. That was my rationale when I said that he wouldn't really significantly impact sales in Binghamton, and yet he definitely contributed to some degree. Yeah, I think we all underestimate just how much people like how what the name the name recognition is one, and just like I, I've had conversations with a bunch of people who don't really watch baseball who are like like know the Tim Tebow on the Mets story. Like it's wild. <laughs> ESPN is a powerful vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. If it's yeah. failing. <laughs> All right, Ken, what you got? Um uh, go with uh I don't think Andres Jimenez is gonna make the majors this year. Um, I think 
He's partially going to be blocked by Hechevarria, which we could argue if that's a good thing or not. Um, but he also, like, really just held his own in double-A last year. Uh, didn't get a lot of at-bats. Typically, when you're talking about a guy, you want to move that aggressive, where he'd be like a 21-year-old, a 20- or a 21-year-old in, in the big leagues. Um, you'd rather see them dominate in the upper minors, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Juan Soto, you know, you could look it up, but he destroyed double-A before they called him up. I would rather, you know, something like that with Jimenez before he's on track to get a, a, an aggressive promotion, you know? Agreed. I mean, there's no pressing need to yeah. have him here immediately, so you might as well let him keep working on what he needs to work on. Where would you guys start him uh, this season? Because I go back and forth between double A and triple A. I would start him in double A just because. Yeah. yeah, me too. And what was it, like <laughs> 20 games or so that he played? Yeah, and he held his own, but I, I again, I'd really like to see him, you know. The glove is clearly ready. The glove is, is you know, you could make a very compelling argument that he, he's better than Rosario defensively right now. Um, but I, I just would like the bat to play a little more. So. I was I was going to make the opposite prediction mm-hmm. until they signed Echeverria. Um, and now because it's the Mets, I'm like 95% sure we're getting 300 plate appearances from Adani Echeverria. It, <laughs> The year of our Lord, 2019. What do you Ooh, think his probably. war is like then? What do, you, what do you think he puts up from a war perspective? Yeah. Are we talking like Jose Reyes or Austin Jackson level bad or like play? No, really all right. So like in his career, he's typically like he's never he was negative in like 2013. The weird thing is that the defensive metrics have never really loved him despite his reputation as this mm-hmm. great defender. And, like, watching him, I've never, like, like, I'm not a scout, but I've never had reason to doubt the defensive metrics uh, when it comes to Echeverria. Yeah, he makes a lot of flashy plays. Is that is that it? Like, am I missing something, or is he not the, the, the amazing defender everyone makes him out to be? Um, um, I mean, with defensive, like, numbers, you know, there's all sorts of noise baked in there. You know? Sure, but for his career, like, his best year was a, a UZR 150 of 12, right? And I, and I know there's tons of noise there, but over a couple years, I kind of trust it. Um, I mean, it, it comes down to how much do you think positioning plays into it and how good are the Marlins at positioning and... You know. that, that's very true, of course. I mean, really, he's probably just an above-average defender, but not yeah, someone true. elite. I probably think Yorme is a better defender than he is. I'm, I'm inclined mm-hmm. to agree with you. And um, his yeah. offense is, um, how how should I put this, bad? Yeah, uh, um, not great. Not great. Really bad. So I'd say he's like, in 500 or 300 plate appearances, he's going to give you like half a win. Yeah, I mean, that's an upgrade from the guy who was on the roster last year. That's sad. <laughs> In multiple ways. <laughs> that's really yeah. sad. Um, God, but yeah, I forgot how bad Reyes was. Negative literally, literally the 10th worst player by F4. 10th worst player. He, was, he had a negative one win in 250 plate appearances. That's horrific. That's, like, impressive to do. Like... <laughs> 
It would be more impressive if Chris Davis hadn't been like negative three in the same season, but <laughs> the one one uh, real big difference between the two. <laughs> also, that's not an exaggeration. Chris Davis literally put up negative three point one FR last season. Yeah, with a weighted of forty six. I can believe it. It's real bad. Real bad. There's a reason why they were giving away shots every time he hit a home run. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, I I I agree with you that. Back to the point, I don't think the Mets will see the major leagues this year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets are in it and they use them as trade bait, particularly if this Rosario improvement is for real. Yeah, see, I, I can I see think, that. Yeah, I could see that, but I, I think if they're going to trade people, it's going to be more uh, high upside, low level guys. Well, uh, well, let me ask. That's this. just me being. That's just me being me. <laughs> Why, why? I'm pretty sure it's Vientos if anybody is going to get traded. I would much rather trade. Assuming that Rosario isn't just as bad as he was last year, I would much rather trade Jimenez. Because... I like, go back and forth. Where, would, where do you play Jimenez? If, if, if Rosario's actually good, and Jeff McNeil is actually good, you have Robinson Cano for five years, you're going to make Jimenez a utility infielder? I, I would try Rosario in center because I think the skills will translate very well. Um, I mean, it's it's a, basically it comes down to um, like Vientos could make it really easy and just destroy full season ball this year. Right. It's just like proximity to the majors versus, you know, how far away Vientos is at this point in time. Like, I think it's more of a, a toss up than anything. That mm. being said, that could look really dumb in a year from now. Yeah, I think I prefer the upside of Vientos. Again, unless unless Rosario is still bad. Also, I think it just fits their MO of, like, this has always been an organization that, you know, is not terrible at short-term planning and doesn't really think at, about yeah. long-term planning at all. They ver- they rarely, if ever, make upside plays with their prospects, yeah. um, um, either when trading them or trading for them, yeah. which is why we have a pile of fringy right-handed relief options right now yep. yeah yep well since it's topical um one of my predictions is that the aforementioned vientos becomes the mets top prospect that includes the, well that assumes that alonzo graduates which i don't think there's any foreseeable possible where he doesn't it would be really bad if he no, didn't there, there's no way he doesn't graduate and is still like prospect like, right, like a right. significant prospect like the, if he doesn't only, graduate something went horribly horribly wrong the yeah. only way i could see that happening is an injury and yeah also true i don't think that's gonna happen um yeah but um i think that he has a lower floor than jimenez but a higher uh ceiling and I think that this year he's going to continue doing what he was doing last year, which was really hit, hit for power, and just generally look like a ball player. And doing that for a, a good chunk of the season in most likely full season, you know, Columbia, I think that's going to raise his stock a bit. And he was already, he, we, we listed him as thir- third. So, assuming Alonzo is gone, it's between Jimenez and him, and I think the upside um, gives him the edge. Yeah, the delta I'm talking about, too, between the you know high-floor high Jimenez and high-ceiling Vientos gets a lot smaller if Vientos performs in full-season ball, too. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any reason to think that he's going to just flounder out Vientos, yeah, because no. he has a good eye. 
He has a lot of power. He his bat is a little long, but he's able to leverage that and really not you know leverage that with his with his eye and not really you know strike out excessively. Walks at decent rates, and like the biggest knock against him, which is his defense, I think is kind of overstated because he's not a bad defender at third base. He just isn't graceful, I guess is the best way. Of he's it. just kind of slow, right? Which right. Like, Todd Frazier is super slow and plays like a very good third base. <laughs> right. He just doesn't have a quick first step. But everything other than that is perfectly suited for third base. He has a good arm. He's good instincts. He's rangy enough. You know, maybe in the future, we're talking like five years or so, he'll fill out enough that he needs to come off the position. But that's a lot could happen between now and five years from now. Well, you can also sacrifice a little bit of third base defense if he's running a 130 weighted. So, yep. right. Lots of bad defensive third basemen out there. All right. That well, said, uh, Matt Chapman is a hell of a lot of fun to watch, but. <laughs> Ken, give us one more prediction. Um, uh, Shervin Newton, top 10 in the Sally League in, in bombs. Um, Very doable. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Just, I think uh, the strikeouts are going to go down a little bit as he continues to, you know, he's clearly very raw at present being like a 50K signing out of the Netherlands. Um, I think the Ks are going to go down a little bit, maybe not a ton, but down a little bit. And some of the raw power is going to play up in games. Sounds good. I'm, I'm super excited about him. Uh, so what is, uh, what is the, the one that you've been saving? Uh, Stephen Valines, <laughs> more than 20 major league innings. ERA below 3.25, K9 over 10. I think uh, it's doable. Very doable. My, I am more concerned that he just doesn't get called up because Mets, well, yep. Mets. Uh, but if he does get called up, I'm, I'm expecting big things. Also, he'll be in middle innings, too, so that'll make this even easier. Yeah, what do you think the likelihood is that he gets promoted? Because the Mets kind of do have a glut of <sighs> middle, middle inning reliever guys. All right, so they're going to run, like, they're going to start the season with Avalon and, like, Paul Seawall. They'll stick with Seawall to, for too long, and then they'll go to Bachelor and then Handhold, and... <sighs> Christ. I mean, this is what I'm worried about. I think there's, like, a... I think there's almost a 100% chance he gets at least some major league innings. Mm-hmm. I think there's, like, a 20% chance he actually gets 20 or more major league innings, which is part of what I'm predicting, so... That said, Mets bullpen is a little injury prone, uh, so <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, he does because we had a Mason Avenue like him. So yeah. that is our official position. It is. And my last uh, prediction is going to be that the Cyclones win the NYPL championship. Uh, I think that I mean they're always a team that's succeeding because of pitching, and I think that this year. You know, a few promotions from Kingsport, Dyson Acosta, Garrison Bryant, Jose Budo. Those are guys that I think will thrive in Coney Island. They have good enough stuff to make the rest of the league kind of look bad. And then from an offensive point of view, that's always kind of been their Achilles heel. But I assume that Ronnie Mauricio will be in Brooklyn. I don't think that he's going to be promoted to full season ball just because of his age his own performance, and then just the glut of kind of infielders, prospecting infielders that the team is already going to have. So mm-hmm. it would be better for him to just get some playing time down in Brooklyn. 
and you know combine his potential, which is very high, with a couple of the other solid bats that are going to be getting promoted from Kingsport, plus all the draftees from 2019 uh, who hopefully will be good players, unlike uh, quite a few guys from years past. But hopefully all that combines to give the Cyclones a championship. They had a winning season last year, finally, so hopefully they, they take it further next this upcoming season. And the Mets will draft, like, 10 random college guys to go play at Brooklyn, and that'll probably help, too. Well, that's the thing. It, it's become the trope that, you know, got to make Brooklyn win, got to make Brooklyn look good, got to draft all these college guys. But the guys that they're drafting are not good. Nope. <laughs> not so it's like it's, it sounds like there's a reason they haven't been drafted or they're <laughs> available. Well, hopefully all of the uh, good predictions come true and all of the bad predictions do not. And we look back at this in a year and laugh at ourselves. But, oh, that's, uh, that's inevitable. Yeah, well, we'll be laughing at ourselves regardless. But Kenny Lucas, thank you for joining me. And... Anybody has questions, send them to the email, the podcast, and all that other good stuff that Brian is going to plug in a minute. So, everyone, <laughs> take care. Have a good one, guys. Well, folks, that does it for another installment of Amazing Avenue Audio. Thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. We are recently uh, a part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, so check out other shows on the SB Nation platform. You'll probably be hearing those ads within the show. So if one of those is for a team that you enjoy, aside from the Mets, check them out. We hope you do. You can check out AmazingAvenue.com, where we have all the Mets news and notes you could ever want. We are uh, having game threads for every spring training game, lots of minor league updates, season previews, all sorts of good stuff. So please go to AmazingAvenue.com and check that out. You can also find us on social media at Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email the show, aaaudiopodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow all of our contributors on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Ken is at Ken Levin 91 Lucas is at Elvlahos343. And Steve is at Steve Saipa. Next week, we will have uh, another show that is, well, it's fun. It's something new we're going to be trying here. And along with the minor league guys, you're going to be hearing a lot more from these folks uh, on this podcast once the season starts. And so until next time, let's go Mets. 